Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. This is the day that the Lord has made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. We're going to praise him today. We're going to worship him. We're going to welcome him to this place right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord. We just praise you for this glorious day, Lord. Father, we thank you that we're able to get up this morning, Father God, to come together and to worship you in spirit and in truth, Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord. We just praise you. Hallelujah. We welcome your presence of your Holy Spirit right now into this place. Have your way in this place. We declare an open heaven right now in the name of Jesus. Father, as the praises go up, the blessings will come down, Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, because you inhabit the praises of your people, Lord. Father, that is your word, oh God. Oh, in the name of Jesus right now, we thank you, Lord. We come before you with a humble heart, oh God. Father, that our hearts right be right before you, oh God. That our Father worship will not be hindered in any way. If there's anything in our hearts, Father God, Lord, let it, Father God, come before you right now. You forgive us of all our sins and Father cleanse us of all unrighteousness in the name of Jesus right now. Father, we thank you, Lord. We examine ourselves before you, Father, in the name of Jesus. Lord, Father, we come to you, Father, and we just praise you, Lord. We're going to praise you, Lord. We're going to praise you, God. We're going to worship you, Lord, because you deserve all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise right now, oh Lord. Father, there's nothing that you can't do, Lord. Your words are yes and amen, Lord. Father, we thank you. Your promises, you are our covenant, God. Father, in the name of Jesus, you are the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. You, we serve the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Lord. Father, we come to you, Father, with boldness, with authority that you have given us, O oh God. You have given us the authority, Father, to trample upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And you said nothing by any means shall harm us, not because they are subject to us, because we our names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Father, our names are in that book, Lord, right now in the name of Jesus. And we are seated in the spirit in heavenly places right now, Father. We thank you, Lord, and we praise you. We declare the angels, Father, the heavenly hosts, Father God, to worship with us in the name of Jesus. Father, we release the heavenly hosts in the name of Jesus. Father, to surround, Father God, to worship, to sing with us, O oh Lord. Father, we invite them into this place right now, in the name of Jesus right now. We exalt you. We exalt you. Praise him now, people. Don't wait for the worship. Praise him now. Father, he wants our praise. Father, we know, Father God, where you have taken us and where we're going, oh God. We have the victory, Lord. We already have the victory. Father, in the name of Jesus, no trials, no tribulations, Father God, will keep us from praising you, oh God. Father, in the name of Jesus, when we walk through the fire, we will not smell with smoke, oh God. When we walk through deep waters, we will, Father, will not be overtaken, oh Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus, while you are with us, just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, there was the fourth man in the fire, and they came out, oh God, alive, Father, of God, in you, Father. Lord, in the name of Jesus, you are always with us. Father, you never leave us nor forsake us, oh God. Lord, right now, in the name of Jesus, we thank you because, Father, we, your Holy Spirit dwells within us, Lord. Father, we are the temple of your Holy Spirit, and we thank you, Lord. We just praise you. Hallelujah. We anoint, Father God. We, Father, we declare an anointing, Father God, upon the worship, upon the instruments, oh Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus right now, for all those who enter, oh God, when they come in, oh God, empty, Lord, Father, you will begin to fill us, oh Lord, overflowing, oh God. We will not leave the same way that we came in, Lord. Father, we anoint the speaker, 
spirits, oh God. We pray, Father God, the angels surround them, oh God, when they speak, Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus, we declare the glory of the Lord right now. You said wherever, we declare your glory. We declare your glory. We declare the glory. Glory, glory, glory. Let the glory cloud come down in the name of Jesus. We declare glory right now. We, oh, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your grace and your mercy. We thank you for your grace and your mercy. We declare the mercy of God. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for the worship. We thank you for the glory, the glory, the glory, the glory right now, the glory of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
Just do what God tells you to do. Here I am to worship. So let's worship him. Let's worship him.
Yeah. 
excited because we had to get up early in the morning to get up. But when you look at this worship, you know, this praise and worship is not just confined to what you see up here. You see worship and praise, right? You can't put it on the worship team, you know? They usher in this nice worship, but you should be able to get up in the morning praising and worshiping God. And when you think about it, you're, you're alive for a reason. This past September, I retired from the NYPD as a detective, 28.6 years. And, and it's not just about giving me the, um, you know, it's not about flexing and a pride thing, because I would not be standing here, I would have not gone through my career if it wasn't for the Lord. Never, never. But praise and worship is also a sacrificial, you know, event that we give unto ourselves. There's a lot of things that we do in praise and worship. It's about obedience. It's about giving God the honor and the reverence. Now, when we give our tithes and offerings, I gotta go into the swing mode. So, you know, when it comes to tithes and offerings, when you think about a lot of people um, cringe. And when you cringe, I understand because a lot of, uh, and we're not here to judge churches or, or any institutions of God out there because the tithes and offerings have been misappropriated. In some cases, they don't give honor to God. But it is something that the Lord has commanded us to do. When you think of the tithes, if we look at Malachi, Chapter 3, verse 10. And this is God saying, it's saying, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. And he's talking about bringing the tithe to his storehouse. But a lot of us, we don't consider that very important because we're so worried about putting into our own storehouse. I need the car, I want that uh, giant, put a number up there, 80 inch TV that you can see into infinity and beyond, you know? And you look at that, and these are some of the blessings that God wants us to have, materialistically. But what about him? He gave us so much more. He gave us parents, you think of, he gave us a legacy. He gave us parents, biological parents, to bring us into this world where sometimes it's very hostile when we think about it. But there's a purpose to every God's plan, you know? So, it says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. 
there's not food for just us, it's for them out there. Right? So it says, so this is God. You know, this is this is one thing that, you know, God doesn't always say this at times, but you know, he's saying, test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessings that there will not be room enough to store. You know, sometimes, you know, we come to God, you know, with our, you know, our blessings, or, you know, basically like an offering, and we do it in a, in a teaspoon. But yet, when God comes to us and bestows his blessing upon, there's a convoy of dump trucks out there in which God will use to throw. He'll give you more than enough, you know? And a lot of people say, well, well, why the money? Why money? You know, that pastor's going to get money. No, no, no. It's not about that. Look at this church. No, let, let, let me regress on that. Look at this building. Now, this building, this building is a church. We call it a church, but who is the church? We are. This building, if you were to see, there was a church here before. And it didn't look great because, you know, it, it was old. It needed a lot of renovation. And this is not just the boast, because when we boast, we're boasting because of God provided us. We own this building. We got a mortgage on it. We own it. So the tithes and offerings that we give out to, like, like, okay, the tithes are basically for the membership. We don't expect, if you're a member here, God bless you. This is your house as well as ours. But the tithes is something that the Lord commands us to give unto his storehouse. And this is a reflection of his storehouse here on earth. So when you look at the walls, you look at all the technology here and everything, you know if you put a price tag on this, it's a lot of money. I like the heat in the wintertime, you know, when, the, when, 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 you know, it's cold, it's cold out there. Sometimes, you know how it gets sweltery, you know, we got the AC and we got the fans because I sweat like there is no tomorrow. And it's great to come into a church, and this is my house. My house, I'm proud because we made this happen. And we made this happen because we were obedient to God, when you look at that. So when we give our tithes and offerings, we are putting God first in our lives. We are acknowledging him as Lord of the Lord of our lives. He's our giver, you know? Jehovah Jireh, our provider. And I know it's tough. I got bills to pay and everything to pay, but you know, it's easy to give from an abundance. I suppose the widow, the widow might who gave two bits. And this is all she had. She gave of herself. And that's why when Jesus looked at everybody else bringing a lot of money, bringing everything else but by the treasury, the apostles say, oh, wait, wait, wait a minute, she just gave two pits. She didn't give a lot. But it's easy to give from an abundance, but how many times when you're down to a dollar, you're down for us, and, it's, and you know there's someone that really needs it. And it's hard to part away from this, you know? Like, it's hard to part away, you know, that you have a few dollars. And, you know, I said, Lord, you know, Give me a discernment when someone needs more than, than, than I have. I thank God I have a roof in my house. My wife would tell you that we wanted to get a house. We lived in the city, you know, she's a nurse, retired nurse and all that. And, you know, we wanted that as a dream, dream. And our credit was a little shaky and all that, but, but we became stewards in terms of learning how to give unto God. So we, we gave out to God. In other words, we, we remained faithful with the tithes and offerings and all that. We supported the church. In 
And it's not about us, it's about, you know, everyone else coming in and enjoying this because this is for the community. So we did this for a couple of years. And because of our faithful and our obedience, you know, our credit became sparkles. We became, uh, what, what is it, uh, debt free. That's a good feeling, debt free. Debt free. That's a great feeling, you know. And then God gave us the opportunity to buy our own. Think about that. So these principles do work. So according to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, 7, it says each man, of course, woman, young, uh, should give what he has decided in his heart to give. Not reluctantly, not under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. God cannot bless your money. I don't, you can come up here with a $100 bill, whatever the case may be. God cannot bless that if you're coming in with compulsion. Oh, this is my two cents for Sunday. It's not about that. It's about where is our heart and our giving? Where is it? Christmas is coming up. Everybody loves Christmas, you know? I want, I want, I want. You know what? You know what the great thing about uh, Christmas? It's not what I get. It's when I give to, you know, like others and their faces light up, you know? Their faces light up and it's like, wow, you bless somebody. So that's my blessing. My blessing is when they receive. And as they receive, I already receive. So, when we give, we should do it willingly and cheerfully. God loves it when we give generously from a willing heart. So, it comes from the heart. When we, we should never give begrudgingly or out of a sense of duty. How many people go to church and say, I, I give because the church tells me? No. It should come from your heart. It is your act of worship. It's, a, it's an action thing. It's your act of worship. Every day we give ourselves unto God. You know, the word says that, that we are to be a living sacrifice unto him. So this is a part of our sacrifice. I mean, listen, God gave his ultimate sacrifice, Christ Jesus, to save us. I mean, and he suffered. So how much we cannot give God, we know that. But we can give unto him in our giving, in our gratitude. So, God wants us to give because we want to, not because we have to. Second um, Corinthians chapter 8, verse 12. For if the willingness is there, that's a key word. If the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has. Not according to what he does not have. It's not about how much we give. No. We learned that from the, uh, the widow mite. She gave more than everybody else because this is all she had. She gave of herself. There's a piece of her in that giving, right? There's a piece of her. But the attitudes of our hearts, God is more interested in our willingness to give than actual the amounts that we give. He knows what we have and he is more concerned with our hearts. So it's about our hearts. So if you could stand up as we give our tithes and offerings. And the offering, let me just explain the offering. The offering is, is, is something a little bit aside. It's, it's, like it's, it's basically a gift of love that we give. And there is no amount that you give. But whatever you give, God is going to honor it. But it has to come from a willing, cheerful, giving heart. So if you can lift up your tithes, because like I said, this is, some, this, this is for the kingdom of God here on earth. He doesn't need this. 
God doesn't need this. He doesn't need my money. He doesn't need anything else. But he needs my obedience. He needs, he needs my willingness, my heart. And that's what he's offering. Al, imagine God say, Al, where's your heart? And giving unto me. So here's the prayer. If you can lift up your, 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 your tithes and your offerings. Father God, you are the giver of all good things. And your word makes clear that every good and perfect gift comes from you. We ask that you accept these gifts and use them to your glory. May these gifts bring shelter to the homeless, comfort to the sick, rest to the weary, hope to the hopelessness. Just as you multiply and offer the fish and loaves that were, free, that were freely given to others, we pray that you will multiply these, our offerings to you, and accomplish with them more than we could ever imagine. We give freely and not from compulsion, for there is nothing we could give that matches your glory and majesty. And that great gift of your son Jesus and the Holy Spirit which guides us daily, all we have is yours, Father. And we ask that you would use us in all that we have as you will. Amen. As you be, as you be guided by the ushers, present your offerings unto God.
worship unto the Lord. So, I just have a few minutes to talk a little bit about corporate prayer. And I just give God the glory today. Amen. Amen. No one has told you today that Jesus loves you. He loves you. Amen. And we love you here at Calvary too. Amen. So I just would like to speak briefly about the importance of corporate prayer. Thank you, Apostle Nazario, for allowing me to share that which is important to God first, and it also should be important to us, the body of Christ. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. First, God wants us to have that first intimacy with him. Amen? Amen. And then he has called us to come together in love and unity by the power of the Holy Ghost and to pray together, right? Like the old church, the first church, the Acts 2 church, amen? Yeah. Hallelujah. I'm actually feeling nervous today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's a good thing. Thank you, Jesus. He's in control, not me. In Acts 2, verses 37 to 47, it says, now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises to you and to your children and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God, as the Lord our God will call. And with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers. So they prayed together. Amen. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common, and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food in gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people and the Lord added to the church daily those who were saved. Amen? Amen? So Peter preached to the crowds, and the Bible says they were cut to the heart. Scripture tells us that about 3,000 were added to the church. That day when Peter pro proclaimed, repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That was in Acts 2.38, the gift of the Holy Spirit. Thousands were compelled by the working of the Spirit through Peter. It wasn't Peter, it was the Holy Spirit through him. Amen? Yes. Through Peter's words to understand and believe that Jesus, whom they crucified, was indeed both Lord and Christ. But prior to this, Peter gave the sermon, right, preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, and the Bible says about 3,000 souls believed. Immediately after they believed, we read that the new believers devoted themselves to the teaching of the apostles, fellowship, the breaking of bread, and prayer. Amen? 
Hallelujah. So we see signs and wonders, belief and generosity. We see worship, hospitality, praise, unity, and evangelistic growth. This happened after they prayed together. So I believe the healthiness of the church has a lot to do with the corporate prayer. It's not about just intercession or just one or two believers. We all have to come together and pray because we all have needs, but it draws us closer to God. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. So I have a few minutes, so thank you. Glory to God. Some reasons why corporate prayer is important. So corporate prayer encourages. Life is difficult sometimes, and this journey isn't easy all the time. Can we agree on that? Amen. Hallelujah. Many are going through battles right now and cannot see God's light in the midst of the trial or test and need to be encouraged. When we gather with other believers to pray, we can encourage one another and build one another up. 1 Thessalonians 5.11. It says, therefore, comfort each other and edify one another just as you are always, just as also are doing. Corporate prayer disciples. When believers of various ages gather together to pray, we can learn from one another. We can learn from the youth. Yeah, we can learn from the youth because when the youth come and pray alongside of us, they can pray those challenges that they are encountering, which only they know. They can learn from the mature believers how to grow in the faith and how to pray, being led by the Holy Ghost, not our spirit, but by the spirit of the living God. Amen? So Matthew 6.10 says, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, Jesus, hallelujah, he taught his disciples how to pray. Luke 11, 1 through 4, the disciples asked Jesus, teach us how to pray. So if it was important 2,000, over 2,000 years ago to Jesus then, who is our God, why are we not coming out? Because it is important to him still. Amen? Amen. Amen. This is where we touch, commune with the Father through Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Corporate prayer forms in us the habit of prayer. Scheduling times to pray with others makes us more consistent in acknowledging that we are weak and God is strong. When we begin to realize that we are weak and we need our Savior, Jesus Christ, God becomes strong in us. We need him every day and we need to remember that. We can't do anything without the Lord, without the power of his Holy Ghost. Amen. Hallelujah. So when we dedicate specific days and times, to prayer with others. You know, some of us have prayer partners, which is good. You know, intercessors pray, and sometimes we just pray with others. We simply pray more. Like any discipline, doing it with others motivates and grows us. God is just concerned about our hearts in prayer. It doesn't have to be elaborate. He wants to know the heart. We know the Pharisees and the Sadducees spoke many words, but their hearts weren't right. Amen? our hearts, sometimes just a cry to God with the right heart, a pure heart, clean hands and a pure heart, God responds to those tears. I remember when my husband went on to be with the Lord, I couldn't have even say anything out my mouth. It was the tears that moved God's heart, and his tears sometimes move stronger than the many words we try to speak. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I just want to be res respectful of time before I introduce the guest speaker, which the word of God is really important. 
Hallelujah. Okay, so we have our elder. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Elder Ross. Thank you. See, we got to honor our leaders. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, my God. So Hebrews 10, 24 to 25, uh, setting aside time to pray together, um, spurs up on in, in ways we wouldn't be if we chose to only pray alone. We know the word of God says in Hebrews 10, 24 through 25, and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Amen? So corporate prayer teaches us that two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor, Ecclesiastes 4, 9. Amen? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Corporate prayer is needed for confession. When we pray with others and confess our sin, we expose it to the light and Christ shines on us. Ephesians 5, 11 through 14, and 1 John 1, 7 through 9. James exhort, um, also James exhorts us to confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. That's James 5, 16. It's not about us, it's about Jesus Christ and being concerned about our brothers and sisters and even those who don't know God, that God can use us, these earthen vessels to draw them unto him. Amen? Hallelujah. It says James 5, 16, confession, trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective verbal prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Amen. Hallelujah. So individual prayer only makes us part of our weapon of prayer to battle sin. This is strength in gathering with, there is strength in gathering with others. Others. Sometimes the battle is just too strong. Too strong. And sometimes we can be sitting in a place of sin and we can cry out to God, but we we're doing it repeatedly. Sometimes we need to come alongside and ask a brother or sister to come alongside. I'm talking about a faithful brother and sister. I'm talking about a brother or sister that is walking in holiness and righteousness. That's what I'm talking about. That can lift us back up. Amen? We, I don't know. Many of us may have been there. I know I've been there. And I thank God for the people he has put in my path. My path. Amen? Corporate prayer builds unity. It is nearly impossible to hold a grudge against someone when you join him or her in prayer. You can't even, you forget that you're even upset with that person if you're truly seeking the Lord. Amen. Amen? Hallelujah. Jesus instructs us, in fact, that we cannot offer him a gift if we have something against our brother. Matthew 5, 23 to 24. He says we must first go and be reconciled. Peter reminds us that the Lord's ears are only open to the righteous, the prayers of the righteous, and not those who are walking in unrepentant sin. I knew I had to say that because God wanted me to say it. Because I don't want us to think that we could walk in, you know, not a brokenness and a humility and unrepented sin and think that God hears our prayers. He said in his word that he does not. So truth. We speak in truth from the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And not those who, okay, let me go. So First Peter 3.12, and we regularly come together and we're reminded okay let me back up he says we must first go and reconcile right Peter reminds us that the Lord's ears are 
only open to the prayers of the righteous and not those who are walking in unrepentant sin. And that's in 1 Peter 3.12. As we regularly come together, we reminded to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. Ephesians 4.3. Amen. So corporate prayer invests in evangelism. And you know that's my heart too. Hallelujah. Because that's God's heart. Souls. Amen. Praying with others invests in God's work to bring people to faith in Jesus Christ. So in corporate prayer, people who don't know God can come on corporate prayer. Because we want God to lead them by his spirit to him. Amen. Hallelujah. So we see in Acts that the Lord added to their number. Um, they're, you know, day by day that souls were added and they were saved. Once again, I read it in Acts 2. As we pray, the Lord works to draw others to himself. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So I just ask that you would just take the time. And, and I gave you some points of why prayer is important according to the word of God that you would come out and join us alongside on Wednesdays, um, 7.30 p.m. We're on Zoom. You don't even have to come to the building anymore. And someone asked me to bring it back into the building. I said, we can't even get them on Zoom yet. <laughs> we got to work there first. So we're just asking that you will come 7.30 p.m. on Wednesdays. The third Wednesday of every month is for men. And we got to give God glory and honor for the men <laughs> the men every third Wednesday there's men's prayer only I commend you men thank you I know God is pleased amen the third Wednesday so you can get the zoom information by contacting uh, the office which is 718-829-5306 amen so I just want to say thank you. Um, so Elder Ross is going to introduce our oh, apostle. Uh, okay. Listen, <laughs> I'm over there jumping out of my skin over here. Uh, she gave you all the the pros and cons of why we need corporate prayer. But let's be let's be real. Am I talking to the body of Christ here? Yes. How many of us are filled with the Holy Ghost? Okay. If I'm not mistaken, it says, and he, and, and he will give us power to become his witness. So how can we witness if we're sitting in our blessed assurance? I'm the one that challenged her to get out of Zoom and bring it back where it belongs. No, that's okay. You, you can always blow me off. See, because the Bible says that we should not forsake the gatherings of the saints. We get too comfortable with Zoom. You know, soon put our picture on and go somewhere else and do whatever. <laughs> Amen! You know, and you're not even there. But when we get together in the presence of God, see, something happens when the body gets together, there's an inspection anointing that's released. You're going through something, get in the house. You're fighting something, get in the house. You're praying for somebody, get in the house. Because one sends a thousand, but two can send ten thousand. It's time that we go back to old school and get back into our father's face and, and begin to declare and proclaim what's ours. Well, I'm talking to the wrong church here for a minute because you should have been jumping up and down. I'm telling, I'm telling you, it's time that we stir up our gifts and get off our comfort zone because you can get so comfortable they become dull. Amen. 
Is the Holy Ghost in you? Is the Holy Ghost in you? And then there should be some excitement about you. The world should be looking at you and saying, what is it about that brother? What is it about that sister? And then that's your open door for step in. Become what? The witness. So you can't be witnessing if you're not empowering yourself with the Holy One. Because your education, your intellect, and your uh, uh, think you know will only get you so far. Actually, actually, education tickles and, and entertains people. It's the anointing that breaks the yoke. So you can't have the anointing without the Holy Ghost. Man, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, if I got to throw something at you, I'm going to get you to jump up and praise the Lord here. You know, I'm trying to tell you, thanks, man, you listen, everybody here knows what I'm going through. Right? And what, how, how am I excited the way I am? Because of Jesus. Because what he's done for me. I'm here standing with joy and peace because my father is in control. My father is in control. Isn't your father? Yeah. If he's your father, you should be giving him glory and honor. You should be stop looking at what you're going through and begin to praise him for who he is. Now I'm trying to get you ready to receive that there's going to be a word that's going to be released here. You know, proud to see you, my brother. There's a word that's being released here, and for a reason, pastors do your setup because we believe in you. Is the intercessor team in the house? Stand up. Come here. I'm going to put you on the spot. That's, that's my job. Pastor, give me a minute. Thank you. Everyone who's going to sign, you call them. And you ask them to, oh, pray for me. I, I, I'm going to something. Who they call? Who they call? Continue calling them, but don't forget, they're not your answer. They're your helpmates to take you to the answer. So we have to create our own relationship with our Heavenly Father. I don't care what you think you know, what you might know, what experience you have. God is the same always, but he's always unveiling new things to us. If you want to get over the situation you're in, I challenge you guys, not for this Wednesday, pick a Wednesday, pick a Wednesday, this Wednesday, and come out to the house. It's, listen, the flesh is going to fight you. You know, the flesh is going to fight you. And there's a reason why I've been asking her to do this, because I, I believe there's an urgency for revival. And we know we see what's happening in the world, but are we blind to see what's happening in the house? Churches are going against each other, preaching different theologies and stuff. You know, we need to wake up the Holy Ghost in the house first. We're no good to the world if we're lost. We need to, we need to step up. We need to be on fire again. Man, you guys haven't been hungry again. You know, you come a little bit, a little fat, and you go running, then you're tired again. You shouldn't be tired. You shouldn't be tired because you're not fighting in your strength. You're fighting in his. Come on, guys. Come on. 
Don't look at that strange that you're going through something. You're going to always go through something because it's victory by victory, by precept, by precept, by concept, by concept. We're constantly coming, becoming better. And, and the only way, and the, oh, should I say, the greatest example Jesus Christ gave us was he prayed before every miracle. He prayed before he entered any journey. That was the example for us. I'm going through something. Father, give me strength. Give me the words. Give me the wisdom. Give me the right connections that I may do what you call me. Not what I think, what I feel, what I want, what you want. That's why that prayer, <laughs> hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Ready? On earth as it is in heaven. Amen. If that's your prayer, Give me a little shout. Yes, you know, maybe I'm not Hallelujah. talking. Yeah. I, I, I just need to know. No. Hallelujah. Is that your prayer? Is that your prayer? Hallelujah. That I challenge all my brothers and sisters in Christ. Those who are hearing my voice, who are hearing my voice, and hear the pull in their heart. Don't let shame pull you down. Don't let guilt pull you down. Don't, that's the lies of the enemy. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So if you're in Christ Jesus, you're all magically more than a conqueror. So I'm challenging you to, just like we challenge everybody to reopen the doors for the church, but I'm challenging everybody to come back into the house and get into Father's house. You know, one of the biggest church I believe is in, in Korea or something, they, they made, they made, uh, they did a, a, a tour and they were asking the pastor, what's their secret? And he, he was showing them the church and everything. And he said, now I'm going to take you where the power comes from the, for the house. And everybody's saying, what's that? Oh, the boiler room. I'm going to take you to the boiler room. They can say, the boiler room? Yeah, the boiler room was their prayer room. And they opened the door and the ladies and stuff. I'm sorry, guys. Most of them were ladies. You know? I got to talk to my brothers here. You know, most of them were ladies. There's power when men stand on the gap. Uh, I don't think you guys understand that. It's awesome when the ladies are there. And God honors that unbelievably. But something happens when men decide to stand. There's an anointing that should release. There's a breakthrough anointing. There's a breakthrough anointing. There's a breakthrough anointing that your brother needs, that your daughter needs, that your son needs. You know what I'm saying? That's a breakthrough. Scream it, baby. Don't worry about it. That's a breakthrough anointing that we need this season. And you're holding on to it. I need, I need your gifting to that go to the next level. It's our responsibility. Ain't that the way it is, Joshua? So I'm challenging you. Hallelujah. Oof. such a need right now for this and I said I stand here convicted because I remember in my young days I would travel all the way to Brooklyn every week for prayer for prayer travel to Brooklyn on the train get out at whatever time it was but it was a time of praise and worship in the house of the Lord and if change is to come it begins where in the house of the Lord so I'm challenged today and I'm convicted today. But I thank God for that. Because I remember the change that occurred in my life because of that prayer. Because of that prayer. And it was in the middle of the night that we would and take the train, a group of us from from the from traveling to Manhattan and wherever parts of the city that we live, but it is needed. And it is needed in the house. 
it needs to be here. Amen. It begins here. Amen. So this is confirmation. I agree with you. The body needs it. We need this. Amen. Amen. Me too. Me too. Now, I want to say something about this. It does not happen because I'm that great of a speaker. This is, this is the Holy Spirit. He's calling his children back. He's calling his children back. And the beauty about calling his children back, as they come back, he equips. So you already don't have to come, oh, how I'm going to do this, I'm not qualified, I don't know if I handle it. He says, I give you what you need. Right. Just come back. Right. It's our season to rise. Right. It's our season to overcome. Not to preach it, so I'm going to stop. But I want to do this. I want to pray for, for, for the intercessors. Yeah. They've been standing in the gap for us. Yeah. Definitely for me, for all I've been going through. Father, I want to thank you. For the spirit of the living God, I pray that you will move in their lives and in their behalves as you've never done before. Father, as they've been standing in the gap for your children, I pray, oh Lord, that their households will not lack. Father, those that have children and grandchildren, I pray, oh Lord, for a hedge of protection for each and every one of them. I pray when they lay down, when their heads hit the pillow, they get sweet sleep and rest, Father. Protect their body. I come against any lies, any demon, any missile, any flaming arrow, any strategy that tries to distract them from your calling and their health, Father, in you. I praise you, Lord. Give them new revelation, new understanding, new hunger, new desires to get into your presence, Father. Lord, I thank you for what you're doing in our midst. This is our season because you said so. This is our overcoming time because you said so. And we're coming in agreement for what you're doing in this time. We praise you. We give you the glory and honor in Jesus' holy majestic name. Amen, 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 and amen. Thank you for that prayer. It was totally needed. Thank you. Sometimes people think intercessors don't need prayer. I need it every day. So please keep us in prayer. Hallelujah. And now, for the best part, um, the word of God. I like to say prayer and the word of God go together like peanut butter and jelly. It goes together. How do we pray if we don't know God's word? 
we don't know his will. We can't pray if we don't know his will. Amen? And so today, I'd like to introduce, you may already know him, a humble servant, our spiritual father, and under the under-shepherd of this house. Yes, he's a spiritual father in the faith, and we love him dearly, and we love the way God uses him. And we give him honor because he is a man of honor and integrity. Not many people are men of integrity, a woman of integrity. So today, without further ado, we'd like to welcome Apostle Victor Nazario. Hi, Apostle. Hallelujah. And we also like to welcome the man of God, Minister Joshua Estrada. Glory to God. Thank you. Can you hear me? Yes. Praise God. Good, good, good. God bless each and every one of you. It's a pleasure to be in the house of God. And for those of you that are online, uh, we're so grateful that you are fellowshipping together with us. Uh, Robert in Miami, God bless you. Uh, Pastor Eileen, God bless you. Uh, you and your family. Uh, Vicki, Sister Vicki, uh, God bless you also. And uh, there's several others that uh, attend online, and so we welcome you. Today we're going to change things around a bit. Um, I think you already got preached that. That was a powerful presentation. And we understand by scripture that faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. So when you hear about prayer and you hear the theology of prayer, what should it do? It should not motivate you to pray. It should change your lifestyle so that prayer then becomes your priority. So thank you, Deaconess uh, Celeste, for that. And uh, Elder, thank you for, for you know, taking some of a spot. You, you, you like sort of like just got right in. And you are most, uh, I am most grateful that you did. Because you, you both incorporated the theology, the practice, and then the, the need and the spirit behind it. And then you, you ask a very important question. Are, are we Christians here? So this, this should flow naturally. Where in the world do we think that we have to be invited to prayer to go to prayer? That should just be an outgrowth of our relationship with God. So thank you for that. Today I wanted to broach the subject um, of, of how important it is for us to understand that revival and uh, your walk with God is not exclusively a feeling, an emotion, or just getting to church. It's a lot more than that. It is a transgenerational process. Part of revival in the church. Actually, this is one of the priorities of true revival. And that is not us jumping up and down. It's not great music. It is fathers and mothers teaching their children. That is true revival, because emotional revival cannot last. It can't, because it's emotional. 
emotions are like this. And I've invited um, Brother Joshua, who I've known for years. He's a wonderful man. He's, he comes from a, a precious ministerial stock, him and his family. And Pastor Adonis and Pastor Mercy are here with us today. I just want to thank you so much. And some of you have come to join him, and I thank you for being here today. So I'm going to have a conversation with Joshua, and I'm going to ask him some pivotal questions from his generation. Because part of the problem of our, my generation, I'm in my 60s, is that many times we lose the sensitivity of what it was to be a young person in the church, what it was to be a young, young person in society, in culture. So because of that, we cannot lose our sensitivity. We have to ask them what's important to you. What are the things that are, 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 are beating in your heart? And Ephesians, or rather, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, 2, it says, let no one, and this is Paul, the spiritual father, speaking to Timothy, his spiritual son. He said, let no one despise or look down on your youthfulness, your youth. Let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in word, <clears throat> in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, and in purity. Think about it. What did God say about Abram before he became Abraham? What did God say about Abram when he was discussing in heaven, or he was discussing with Jesus and Holy Spirit? He was talking about Abram. He said, should we show Abram what we're about to do? And then in that verse, it says, because I know that he will teach his sons. He will teach his sons. So God knew that Abram had it right. What, what you do in your terms of your walk with God is not unique to you only. Your, your, your mindset, by necessity, must include your sons and daughters, both natural and spiritual. Christianity and you, you walking with God is not about how you can get blessed by God. Although God does bless. What was it that Jesus would say about the Father all the time? He said, oh no, I, my Father told me. I'm listening to the Father. I'm just, I'm just doing what the Father told me to do. I hear the Father and I just... You know, I, I, I do what, he, what he's doing. He had a very personal, deep relationship with his father. And by the way, he's the master mentor. If you're teaching anything that has none to do with that, then you're off. You're off. So today I'm going to talk a little bit to this, this wonderful man of God. And so Joshua, God bless you. Thank you so much you to come in for, to your... Because this is your house too, you know that, right? Yeah. Okay, you got this house... You, and you got um, sembrando la semilla, sowing the seed. Yeah. You've been there. Your 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 hands are full of the the you know, the embers and everything of building in that beautiful church together with your father and mother. Yeah. So I thank you for that. Thank you for all that you've done together with dad and mom and with the congregation. I'm proud of you that you in the highs and lows, you know, the good, the bad, and the ugly, you've stuck with it. Many of our young adults have left the church. And to a certain degree, I, I, I'm not going to say I don't blame them, but I understand why some of them leave. And it's, it's not to give them license, but the truth is that sometimes we in the church get it wrong, especially the fathers and the mothers. 
So tell us a little about yourself, um, your relationship in the church. Uh, you just finished going to Bible college. So tell us some of the things that you uh, have been uh, involved in, what God has been ministering to you in these last couple of years. Well, uh, I want to start off with a, like a story um, that many people don't know. Um, God used this ministry to save me and my sister when I was about eight years old. And only my parents know that. And uh, I, I've never told you. And, oh, you haven't? Yeah, because uh, I remember coming home from a service when I was about eight. What else haven't you told me? <laughs> <laughs> I remember coming home after a service. I was about eight. And I asked my dad, I was like, Dad, what's going on? Because I remember seeing people falling down, getting prayed for. And I was just confused. So I went home and I, I asked my dad, I was like, Dad, what, what's going on? You know, ¿qué está pasando? ¿Qué fue eso? Um, and he was like, son, people were getting saved. And as a kid, of course, I didn't fully understand what that meant, but inside me, I wanted that. And I said, Dad, I, I want to be saved too. And, I, and he led me through the prayer, and I got saved that night. But not only me, my younger sister watched me do this in that moment and said, Dad, me too, me too. And that night, we both got saved. The thing is, though, I, my life didn't spontaneously get better. If anything, I felt like it got worse. And I started to struggle with a lot of anxiety, a lot of anxiety, depression, and even to the point where I felt very uh, suicidal. And it, it, it has not been easy. It's, I'll be honest, it's, it's been very hard to stick with it. And I, I've even, I got to the point where I was just, my foundation was very weak. I was a type of Christian pastor's kid that would come to church, open his Bible, just listen, but really reject everything, block it all out. I would come to church, be sitting there, and it seemed like I had everything put together. No one would have ever known. That's the thing. No one really asked me questions. Those questions like, hey, are you okay? Of course you're going to reply with, yeah, I'm good. Why would you share? Because do you really care? You know? Do you really care? Or if I tell you, are you really going to spend the time tomorrow to call me up and tell me, hey, how are you doing with this? Or the next day or the next day and push with me, right? And I, I remember coming to church and I would go home and I would, after service, I would leave my Bible on my dresser, taking up dust. Of course I was struggling with anxiety and depression and even suicidal thoughts because I never, I never read the truth. His promises, my hope I tried, to, I tried to fill my void up and that anxiety because, of course, I was so scared. I was wondering, man, I'm a Christian, but why am I living in freedom? Why am I not living knowing that I'm fully forgiven? I don't feel accepted in the world or in my own church or in God. I felt like I still had to work my way to get accepted. But, of course, because I wasn't opening my word. And, but one thing I want the older generation to know, especially parents, you were speaking about prayer. When I think of prayer, I, I now know who I'm praying to, who I'm talking to, the things I'm asking God to do. I, I'm asking God, the creator of all things. He can change everything. And I, I encourage the parents not to, to not stop praying for your kids and to continue to sow the seed because my parents, it's not like they were bad parents. They were, they've been great and they've given me everything they can possibly give me. Every night we would pray, we would read the word, but I would just sit there sit there. They wouldn't know, but I was just rejecting it. I wouldn't fully accept it until God brought me to a crossroad where I was undone. 
I, I couldn't move forward. I had tried every single thing to try to finally feel fully satisfied. But of course, it, it never works. And God allows you to fail, I would say, so you can come to that point where it's like, Jesus, I surrender everything. I, I can't do this anymore. I can't. And now I'm, I went to Bible school, yes. And uh, it's, it was two years in Bible school. I, didn't, I left everything um, to go to that Bible school. And I would say that coming out, I didn't come out with a degree or speaking more eloquently. I would say I still struggle very much. But the one thing I brought out of that place is that I have a relationship with God. And I, one thing I asked God to do, and, and this is, I was walking, it's, it's surrounded by a lot of, of like a forest, and I was walking the fields, and I, and I love it because you see God's creation and his glory. And I was walking through the fields, and I was like, man, God, like, I'm not a faithful man. I, I, I keep failing. But you know what, God, I, on this road, it's very narrow, and it's very hard, and I want to give up every single day sometimes. But you know what? If need be, you grab me and you drag me along that road because where you are, I want to be. And I came out of the Bible school and now I'm uh, serving at the church. I still do worship. And man, the drumming was awesome. That, that, was, that was awesome. Yeah. And, and by the way, and by the way, the reason why she's playing that, that you know, solid today, it's her birthday. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> so she, she put in a little extra oomph today. Yeah. <laughs> well, she's definitely a worship. She's a worship warrior. Yeah, yeah. Amen. 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 Yes, and, and now I'm, I'm leading a youth group. And thank God that um, just, I, I'm glad that I'm saved. Because um, I see a lot of lost people and people full of anxiety. Because they don't know the truths. And I believe that that's a big thing that I've been seeing in my generation, that we, there's a lot of anxiety going on, and, and everyone's looking for something. They're hungry for something, but they don't know what they need to be nourished by the Word of God. And that's, that's a bit about my journey so far. And, yeah. But, but Joshua, you, you, in your conversation now, mm -hmm. you revealed several things. And number one, your parents would teach you. You were there. You were in the church. You had the Bible yet the Bible wasn't getting into you. Mm -hmm. So in your generation right now, you are experiencing a cataclysmic cacophony. Like that one, huh? <laughs> a cataclysmic cacophony. <laughs> one more time. <laughs> Say that three times real quick. It's, it's a rush, an onslaught of philosophies, mm -hmm. lies, deceit. I mean, kids don't know who they are right now. They don't know if they're male, they're female. They don't know if they're this gender, that gender, the other thing, the other thing. They're, and, and unfortunately, it's the adults that are teaching them this. It's the colleges, it's the institutions. How in the world can your generation not only survive that, but how can they thrive and literally advance in their generation if we're teaching and they're just taking the Bible and throwing it, you know, in, in their bed or, you know, somewhere in the kitchen, or what can we do in this generation, our generation, to help to start to break through and, and give them that hope in Christ and help them 
not to lead them, but to walk with them to the place where they can have their own personal encounter. What are some thoughts about that? I would say, like you were reading in Timothy, the way that Timothy is supposed to conduct himself. When I was younger, I, I would um, look at older older guys and, and they would preach to me very eloquently and, and speak about the word and it just seemed they were fired up but then when I would see their lives they didn't reflect Jesus so of course it sounded beautiful and it was really nice to hear and I felt encouraged in the moment but I didn't want to be like them so I would believe it starts off with oneself like yeah you can preach the word of God but it's like how's your love how do you love people after church not just in church but in your job your family how are you remaining pure how are you speaking to others when you get a little bit like um, ticked off you know and how, how are you, how are you conducting yourself because I would look at these men and it's just it, it wouldn't really transform me because I would see well you're, you're not really changed so it's not real but I mean and your generation is very perceptive so you, you know your generation knows when they're talking garbage and when they're talking truth right and, and like you said, there's so many things trying to get your attention now. The social media, all these apps, all these things. And this is being left in the sidelines, of course. But we shouldn't give up. That's the thing. We shouldn't give up. One of the things that moved me about th that particular verse is a spiritual father speaking to a spiritual son. So there was a relationship there. So for my generation, understand, this has to be purposeful. You have to pick out who your sons and daughters are going to be and go after them. And love them with the passion of the Heavenly Father. And of course, you, you earthly fathers and mothers, you really have to make a decision to be that representative to them. That, that um, reflection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul was talking to Timothy, but if you notice what he was saying, he was saying, my son. He called him my son. He didn't call him my mentee. Today we have a lot of mentors, and don't get me wrong, I, I'm a mentor too. We have mentors, we have mentees, and that's important, especially in business. It's good for you to walk together with other people that can show you the ropes. But a father and mother, that's a different story. You're, you're dying to self. You are making sure that they're there and that they have everything they need. Paul told Timothy this. He says, Timothy, the things you've seen in me, the things you've heard me say and teach, that teach faithful men who can teach others also. Now think about that. The spiritual father told the spiritual son everything you see me do, which correlates with what you said, which was many people, they preach it, but they don't live it. And, and although uh, in due deference, we're all messed up. So even though you're following somebody as they follow Jesus, like Paul said, follow me as I follow Jesus, understand you're always going to find a shortcoming. Hello? So we're all flawed. El que no tiene dinga, tiene mandinga. In other words, whoever doesn't have this, has that. We all have issues. The perfect one is the Lord Jesus. So we should be leading them to Jesus. Not to us, to Jesus. We should reflect Jesus. So he told uh, Timothy, whatever you see me say, whatever you see me do, that teach faithful men. So he told Timothy, the same way I'm doing this for you, you need to do it for others. 
So one of the things we can do is we have to set up our children, natural and spiritual. If you want true revival in the church, it has to be transgenerational. It's not this emotional thing that you come to church, man, we had church, look at my wig, my wig fell off. Again, that's good. I mean, it's good to come, on, come out of church, you know, really emotionally pepped up and, you know, uh, and the you know, Spirit of God might have healed you or whatever. But what lasts? The only thing that lasts is a strong spiritual foundation and a personal relationship. Like Joshua said, it got to a point where I said, I, had, I, have, to have, I have to have more of you. That's where we need to lead our sons and daughters, to that personal relationship with God. And he also said this. He said, people would ask him, how you doing? It's not enough to just ask him, how you doing? How are you? Everything okay? Okay, right, you said that now. Now, how are you doing? How can I pray for you? Engage in a conversation that would take them deeper so that you know how to pray for them. And like you said, that Monday call. We do good on Sundays, we're all here. But who gets reached out on Monday? Who gets reached out on Tuesday? Who receives that mentor call or that fatherly, motherly call on Wednesday? We have to understand the devil is trying to destroy this generation. Just look at the TV. Look, look at what the schools are teaching. I see sometimes in TikTok. I'm not, I, don't, I don't go to TikTok. But what happens is in Facebook, sometimes they show TikTok. And in YouTube, sometimes they show TikTok. They show teachers literally boasting that they were able to talk to their kids, the kids that they're teaching, about transitioning them. And boasting. Oh yeah, I was able to do that, you know. And I'm looking and says, here's we have a deceived person now creating a whole new generation of deceived people. So because of that, knowing the signs of the times, not only must we pray for our children, we must grab them, love on them, take them onto our bosom, and teach them. I remember when I was 15 years old, that's when I got saved, Josh. 15 years old in church, I knew nothing about the Bible. But those spiritual fathers and mothers, they, they took me in. And they weren't perfect, but they were loving and they were stern. In those days, if you messed up in the church, you, you, you know, you're playing the fool in the church, they went to grab you by the ears and take you to your parents. And if your parents are not there, like mine, they would grab you by the ears, take you to the back, and let you have it. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> but that saved me. Because at age 15, I was not going well. But thank God for the church community, I was able to be delivered. Amen. Holy Spirit delivered me, and then he provided me a church family so that I can receive the nurturing that would take me away from the jaws of Satan. Amen. Hallelujah. So being a PK, you're, you're, you, know, you have responsibilities in the church, you are uh, doing worship, and you have a small group. Um, your small group, is it young adults like you? Uh, it, it ranges. Uh, it is. And then um, uh, there are a couple kids from 13 and 12. Okay. Yeah. What are some of the issues you're dealing with right now? Or the youth are dealing that you ha you're having to, I guess, uh, address? I think it's when the re like, they'll start to have a relationship with God, but then they get faced with struggles. And they'll start questioning, well, I, they'll get fearful, and they'll just quit. 
I, I think, like you were saying, um, mentors, because I was reading in the chapter and it says all these things, um, exercise them. And when I think about exercise, I think about its commitment, its staying, sticking with it, uh, its sweat, blood, and tears, and, but it's also having accountability partners. And also, like you said, learning from someone that's wiser and older has been walking this walk. But I, I also see that when I'm speaking to the youth, it, it's like, it's, it's a struggle for me because I can see that it's hard for them to open up. It's very hard for them to open up and to trust me because they still see me in a sense and, and I'm trying to maneuver my way around it as like someone that won't understand me, you know? But I, I feel like when we sort of bring, hey, I, I understand you, I'm not gonna condemn you, but, but, I, but I get it. I'm not gonna make you feel ashamed because how, I, I, can, I, I feel like if, how would God, how would I feel if God ashamed me for what I've done? Or, or how I'm thinking, or, or simple. Hey, I feel like it's hard for them to question because they'll just feel like, well, what are they gonna think of me? So you're creating an inclusive, non-judgmental yeah, yes. non safe space. Yes. And how's that been working for them? It's good, I, um, I was asking because I wasn't sure at first. I, I, I came on Sunday and I was like, hey, cause, uh, so I wanted to hear the experience of how some of them got saved. And there was a little girl there. She um, always very quiet, very serious too. Just and I feel like, well, is it anything getting through to her? I, I don't know. But this time, she was the one that opened up. And um, and wow, it was beautiful because she was telling me a story, and it, I was I was very shocked because it moved me. Um, she was saying how she was like, wow, I um, I had a, an illness, and a friend of mine had an illness too. The thing is, though, he died. And I don't know why I lived, but I felt so special. And that's how I got saved. And I was like, wow. wow you, like, it moved me, you know? I was like, wow, I would love to hear that a hundred times over from everybody else. And, and it just, because of the, I feel like it created a safe space. And it's not so many of us. It's about like eight. And, and that's, that's, that's great, you know? Um, well, Jesus I, only had 12. Right, right. And um, so just the safe space to know that hey, I, I can trust it enough to feel like I won't be judged and he'll understand. Did you just hear what this young man just said? One of my issues when I got saved when I was 15 years old was that part of the congregation, the older part, when I say older, I mean 50s, 60s, and 70s, was where sometimes... I, I don't want to use the word judgmental, but they were so strict that they didn't allow for mercy. They didn't allow for grace. And because of that, many uh, of, of our generation, we would get disillusioned in the church. And looking at it from my vantage point now, I understand where they were coming from. They were trying to protect us. They were trying, no, you can't have that. No, that's no good for you. But it's not enough to tell a person that, a young person that. You have to explain why. And then you have to give them the latitude that if they mess up, you bring them in and love them through it because otherwise you lose them. What happened during my generation in these uh, late 70s, early, early 70s, mid 70s, when I got saved, is that some of the children of the Spanish Pentecostal church, of which I was a part of, not just my local church, but in general, they left the Spanish Pentecostal Church because the Spanish Pentecostal Church was very strict, very rigid, uh, and especially with the young ladies. 
they could only wear dresses, they couldn't wear pants, they couldn't cut their hair in certain ways. Otherwise, they would, they would do what you call, put them in discipline. Disciplina, yeah. And that means six months or a year in, in church, you've got to sit down in the pews, and you're pretty much ostracized for like six months to a year. You know, you can't do anything. You can't worship. You can't do anything. But instead of, instead of bringing them in, they pushed them away. And so uh, many of our generation ended up going to churches like Love Gospel Assembly, Brooklyn Tabernacle, and other churches like that that did embrace them. And, and they loved them through it. They were, they were uh, non-judgmental. And so some of that generation got saved or stayed in the kingdom. Others just left the church completely. Grew up, went to business, you know, had families. But, but they became what you call agnostics. And for many years, they were away from the kingdom of God. Many of them came back in their 40s and 50s because, you know, once you train a person, when they're older, they'll always come back. For the most part, that's what will happen. But what you just told me is very, very pivotal because that's why in this church, you know, any of you know, I don't try to make clones of the older generation. I'm not interested in that. I want them to be themselves. I want them to share the way they perceive. Just as long as they've got the scriptures correct, let them do it their way. I don't want them to speak just like me. I want them to receive the principles and share the principles to their generation. They might not look like me. They might not preach exactly the way I do. But I want them to have the principles of the scripture. If that's the case, then they'll live righteously in their generation. They might say it a little differently than the way I do. They might preach differently than I do. But they will preach the uncompromised word of God. And that's what we need to do. And the other thing is just that that inclusive. Um, safe zones get me worried sometimes because kids today, they want safe zones and by that you can't offend them. That's not what we're talking about because the gospel is offensive. If you haven't been offended yet, you know, get around a good Holy Ghost preaching, you'll get offended. Really, the gospel is offensive because it points your sin. And, and today, that's what the enemy is trying to do. He's trying to use culture to try to make the preaching of the gospel illegal. But sin is still sin. I don't care how pretty you make it. I don't care what words or terms you use. You can make it look, you can make it sound so saline, so nice. But sin is still sin. And God didn't change. He doesn't like sin. So I don't care what you call it. But in terms of the safety, I mean non-judgmental. They messed up. Can our young people come to us and share that they sinned, that they messed up, that they need prayer? Or, or they feel, I can't go. Because if, I, if they find out, oh my God, I'm never going to hear the end of it. Where are we at with that? Are we loving them into the kingdom? Or are we pushing them away, thus allowing them to get eaten up by somebody else? This is a generation that either we lose our children or we become the models of spiritual father and spiritual mother that we need to be for them. This is the generation right now. We're losing our kids now. But thank God for the Joshua's that are remaining in the kingdom. Thank God. So let's not lose 
any more of our children. So what are, give me like two or three important issues to you that our generation really needs to understand that we might not understand right now. Um, so you mentioned something and it's um, I, the, being confronted by the word of God. And um, I, I just, I was really focused on that when you said that because when you gave me this verse and I was reading it, it confronted me and it convicted me so bad. And, and, but it made me feel warm. And at first, I, I, was, I was thinking, I was like, man, God, like, I, I can't speak about this because I, I, I fall so short. I fall so short. I can't. And I felt so ashamed at first. But then I realized, and I heard someone say this, if, if you just wait until you finally get it perfect, then who will speak about it? Mm. Also, just because, just because maybe you don't believe it yet or you're not walking in it yet doesn't mean that it isn't true. Truth is still truth no matter what. You know, so I, I really thought I was this, I was, it made me feel better. I was like, well, God, you know, I'm, I'm on this journey with you. You're in the way changing me. I actually want to mention this too. At times I've realized that I've seen, and I've, I've, I've done this before, when I speak to an unbeliever, hey, you should stop doing this. Hey, God doesn't like that. They're unbelievers. Hey, you should stop sinning, basically, whatever sin it is. But they can't stop because they're not saved yet. The Holy Spirit isn't enabling them to be able to stop. First, let me lead them into salvation, and then the Holy Spirit will do the work. And, and, and I, I, it, that shocked me, and I was like, wow, it's true. It's true. So just leading them first into salvation, and then the Holy Spirit will do the work. It enables you. It gives you the power to be able to, you're set free. It works. You're set free. The bonds are broken. And isn't it, isn't it funny? Because I've felt like this, where the bonds may be, and it says it's broken, but at times as Christians, we're still living in bondage. We still feel like we're living in bondage. It feels like it. But the truth is you're not. You're not. Amen, amen. I, I, I like what you're saying, and I appreciate what you're saying, because uh, I went downtown to a prayer rally. And while we're going to the prayer rally, there's this guy handing out tickets. I'm sorry, not tickets, uh, you know, biblical things, tracks, tracks, thank you. So he said, you know, you need to be saved. And I said, I says, I'm a believer. You don't have to give me one. I'm going to pray right over here, it's right outside the mayor's office. No, you need to get saved. And he starts, you know, preaching at me and all this other stuff. I said, sir, I'm saved. I'm going over here for prayer. And he just kept on. And then, you know, I just, you know, I said, dude, this is why we're losing a generation. You guys really need to get your act together. You, you need to learn how to lovingly present the word of God. You know, the, only, the only ones that Jesus was angry at, listen, look at scripture, look at our mentor, look at our spiritual father, right? The only one he would get angry at is the religious folk. With everybody else he was loving. Doesn't that tell you something? With the prostitute he was loving. With the lady that had five husbands, he was loving. With Peter, you know, bad attitude, bad temper, Peter, loving. And just, just look at his ministry. The ones, who did he turn the, 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 the tables over for? Who did he whip? The money changers, you know. Those that supposedly knew the word, you know, but to everybody else, there was a love of God. For God is... Oh my God, you know that too, huh? Wow. 
God is love. Now, it does say our God is a consuming fire, but he's a consuming fire to those that reject his word, to those that, that you know, they allow pride and arrogance and ego. You see them all over the place. I see them on YouTube. I see them, you know, how they are talking against God and rallying against God. I look, God, have mercy on them. That's my prayer for them. I no longer pray like the two sons of thunder. Lord, let lightning hit them, strike them dead. I don't pray that way anymore. It's God's business to judge. But this issue of loving them, oh my God, how important is that? So we have to shift. The mindset has to shift. Yeah, but look at all the sin that's going on. You're right. Who do you want? They're sinners. Joshua agrees. He says, you know, how are they going to change? They don't have Holy Spirit in them. They haven't had the revelation of the knowledge of the Word of God. They're going to sin. And they're going to enjoy while they're doing it. But afterwards, they pay the price. We have to show them something different. We cannot preach at them religiously. A walk with our Heavenly Father is what we have to reflect. But in order to do that, you have to have a walk with God also. And you have to shift in your mind, oh, does God love me? What do you mean, does God love you? He says he's your Father. He's your Heavenly Father. You have to have a paradigm shift in your relationship. Because many Christians today don't see him as Heavenly Father. They see him as God, and oh my God, if I do a mistake, he's going to punish me. We've got to get away from that and enter this father-son relationship. And in the same way, as Paul told Timothy, we also have to enter that relationship with our natural and spiritual children. That's true revival. Otherwise, we lose this generation. So here are several things I'd like you to know from our generation. The reason why sometimes we're so tough is because, number one, we love you. We do. We really, really love your generation. And we don't want them to experience the mistakes we did. But unfortunately, sometimes we fail, and we do things the wrong way. We come off as attitudinal. We come off as, you know, better than you. That's not the point. We've lived it. We've, we've ran into that proverbial wall. So we realize what it is to be slammed against the wall, and somebody have to peel you off the wall. So we don't want that for our children. We don't want that for our grandchildren. And in church, the brethren don't want that for your generation. But we forget that children have to learn by running into the wall. Children have to learn by making their own mistakes. So the better thing is, is we give them the word, we pray for them, we counsel them, we love them. And when they hit the wall, when they make a mistake, you're still there loving them. You're still there to pick them up and say, okay, you messed up, no, no worries, let's get up again. Remember, Jesus forgives. And let them learn that about their heavenly father. Otherwise, they're going to see God as a, a, a bad God that wants to punish them, that doesn't love them. So our generation loves you. Do you think we're showing that accurately, or is there something else that we need to, to understand in order to be able to show our love in a more, in a more obvious way? No, I think you said it um, at least when, like you said, we're, we're able to discern at least, well, is this genuine at times? And, and I, at least I, I know, at least, Pastor Victor, you, um, that you're genuine. Like, like I, you're in, in, you have integrity. And I, you guys are trying, we're all trying our best. We're all trying our best as long as we have a surrendered heart. And it's a heart thing. Um, and uh, I, I really, especially with this church, I, I can't say... Um, 
that, oh, you guys should do this better because who am I? I'm still trying. I, I can't sit here and say, hey, no, this is how you're, you're supposed to love. No, it's, it's a walk that we do together. So I, I can't really say this is, this is what you should do better. I think they, we're all doing the best we can. We are. Amen. Amen. That's good. Another thing that my generation wants you and the generation to know is we want you to succeed. We want you to do better than us. Even Jesus said, he says, you, you'll do greater things than me because I go to the Father. So my generation, I want to see you, you know, out preach me, out preach dad and mom. I want you to, to you know, if we got 100 people saved, I want you to have, have 10,000 people be saved in your ministry. And I, I want you to do better. We want you to do better. And so it's our challenge to uh, be able to think about how we can put them on our shoulders so that they could go higher than us. Amen? Amen. One, of, one of the issues that we have to work through is selfishness, fear, and jealousy. My son do better than me? No, that's, that's embarrassing. No, no. If my sons and daughters do better than me, that to me, it's like if I'm doing it. It's like if I'm experiencing it. So for all our spiritual sons and daughters, you do better, I'm celebrating that because it's like if I'm doing it, because we're, we're family. So we want you to succeed. Uh, the other thing is, we would love for you not to have to experience all the failures that we did. Because you know, you, it's good for you to learn from other people's mistakes, because we can't live long enough to make all the mistakes ourselves. So we want you to learn from us. When we mess up, don't beat us down too much. Learn from us and see, oh, that's something I don't want to do. I learned from my spiritual fathers, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And there's some things they did to me that even though they were zealous and they were, um, the spirit was right and they helped me out so much. And I'm here today because of their tutelage and mentorship and their fatherly and motherly spirits. Uh, but there are some things that I didn't like. I didn't think worked well with our generation. So because of that, I'm more careful with the generation I'm serving. I'm serving you now. So I'm trying not to be like that. So we just want you to know that when we mess up, have a little mercy on us because we're just trying to do the best we can. And I'm saying it to you, but I'm actually saying it to everybody that's listening. And this will be on YouTube. This will be on Facebook. So we're talking to that generation. I mean, I, I just, jumping off of that, I want to say that I, I actually admire you guys because you're, you're still in the faith. And at least when I, when I see my father, I, I've told him, I'm, uh, I'm like, Dad, like, why haven't you, because, I, I, you know, being a, a pastor's kid, I've, I've, I've heard the struggles that a pastor endures, and at times I, I, would, I would say to myself, I don't, I don't really know if being a pastor is so fun. It's, it's not. It's not at all. Um, it, it's, it's, it's a big responsibility. It's a big responsibility. Um, but I've, I've said, Dad, like, you're, you're, you're like a Moses to me, because you're leading people that at times are very ungrateful. Why, why haven't you just thrown in a towel? I didn't say that, he did. <laughs> why, and I've, I've been in tears for my, my father because I've said, Dad, like, I'm telling Dad, why do you keep on going? Why? And my dad is, for me, one of the most godly men I've ever met. He has, he's, you know, he's not perfect, I know that. But I, I hope to 
I hope to become at least as good, at least um, to reach that stature. Because um, I, I, I love my dad a lot. I'm, I'm very proud of him. I, um, because, you know, really, my, my dad's a warrior. He's a warrior because I've met a lot of men that, are, that I've seen when growing up that are in the faith, but they're not in it anymore. He keeps fighting. And I know my dad will fight because of, because of God, right? Because of his grace, but he will fight till the end. And, and, and yeah, I just, yeah. Amen. That's good. That's good. That's good. But another thing uh, our generation wants you to know is that uh, when we were growing up, our spiritual fathers and mothers would, would tell us this. There's coming a day when good's going to be bad and bad's going to be good. There's coming a day when you're going to see this and that and as the Lord Jesus comes closer. We are actually living in those very days. Right. Yes. The things that I was told as a teenager in church, I'm actually seeing them. And so our, our um, heart is for you to know that out there in the world, you're going to see sin, debauchery. You're going to see the worst that humanity can bring to bear. We're seeing it now. And the more permission they get, uh, the more license they take, and, and it's never, no, we just want to, you know, we want to do this and just leave us alone. No. They want to take over. They want to change our laws to make the Bible, to make God illegal. Because at the end of the day, it's a fight that Satan has against Almighty God. It's not much of a fight because, you know, Jesus already won. But he's just, he's just inculcating that philosophy into the people that have had the eyes of their understanding darkened. So you're going to see that, and you're going to see more of that. And my generation wants to tell you, you're going to have to be bold like a Joshua. I'm talking about a scriptural Joshua. That's your name, but you're going to have to be, you're going to have to be able to stand like a Daniel. When the king said, throw him into the furnace. Or a Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, which were Daniel's friends, throw him into the furnace. And with Daniel himself, throw him into a, a cave with lions. They would stand. So I'm saying to you, you're going to have to have the strength of an eagle the strength of a lion and, and the way to do that is a very powerful and personal relationship with Almighty God Amen. above and beyond just the church Amen. we can help point you but ultimately your generation which is uh, a very powerful generation you guys have been called you've been born into this season you're going to be like the Joshua's of old like the Moses's of old like, like the Daniels of old, like the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's of old, who stood no matter what. And the Bible says, if we endure to the end, we will be saved. So this is not a walk of a person that just goes to church one week and leaves. This is a walk of a person that stands in the midst of times and seasons, and no matter what, reflects Almighty God. And even if they were to call you, oh, you know, you church people, you guys are crazy, you're bigots, and now there's new names to call us. You say, yep, I rejoice because you're telling me that I share in the sufferings of my master. And so since I share in his sufferings, I will also be able to share in the glory. So my generation wants you to know we're praying for you, we love you, we respect you, and we appreciate what you mean 
as we start to pass on batons, as we start giving you more and more responsibility. We praise God for your generation. What are some of the thoughts that you have right now that you would have wanted to share with the congregation regarding this, regarding this, uh, this relationship of father to son, uh, spiritual mentors, and, and what we can expect from your generation in the coming days? Like, I, I, I want to repeat, just, just don't give up because I, I, like from my experience, my parents never gave up. I, I put them through so much, like, turmoil, where I, I'm sure they question, like, what, what, what am I supposed to do now? And um, I, I just, I exhort you and, and I, I tell the parents again, I want to repeat that, just, just don't give up on your kids. Don't give up because I, I believe that we all, I mean, I have a purpose, they have a purpose in God. And the reason why we're all here is because of the keeping power of God. That's the reason why, and we are the remnant. That, that's what we are. And I just, just, just keep on sowing the seed. Because the, the seed, is, when it's sowed, it's going to be there. It's going to stay, no matter what. And keep building the foundation. Because, I mean, that, that's, like I said before, my foundation was very rocky. But once it became sturdy, man, like, I, when the waves come, Right into the word, right into the, I get on my knees and I surrender. Jesus, I'll wait on you. Because at times we, we'll, we'll be waiting, but then we'll be looking around. Okay, what's going on? Ah, this it didn't work. No, I'll just, I'll wait on you. I'll wait on you no matter what. What, what do you want to say right now to those that are listening? They're in their 20s, they're in their 30s, and uh, they're not sure about Jesus. They just haven't, they've heard about Jesus but what can you tell them right now? How important it is for them to come to saving faith in Christ and what can they expect when they do? For me, I, I've come to the point where I know that tomorrow isn't guaranteed. And I, before I, because I, I would say before I took God really serious, there was always those questions like, what's my purpose? Um, do I even have a purpose? I don't like I don't belong but the question always arises but what happens after this where, where do I go what, what's next because I, I see people dying so that, that's for sure but what happens what happens next and um, there is a Jesus he is alive and he is saving people still today and I would I, I've, for me God is real I, I, there, there's no denying that because I know for a fact that I I, I came from a place where I was in full darkness, crippled by my anxiety and depression, and he changed me. He changed me. When I fully surrendered my life, he changed me. And that's not something that it just happens like this. It's not because of my own will, because I said, okay, today I'm going to discipline myself to this, this, and that. I'm going I'm to do it. I, I, I would fail every single time. But I'm sitting here as, as, as a changed man, and I know that. And that's because God is real. Because God is real. And I think that that's why testimonies are so powerful. So don't stop sharing that testimony. Don't stop. Don't stop. Amen. Look in the camera and, of course, to those that are here today. And um, talk to that person that needs to come to saving faith in Christ. And make a prayer for them. Yeah. 
sitting for a while. Absolutely. I'll stand up too. Yeah. There you go. God, thank you for this moment that you've given us, Lord. God, thank you for your mercy. Thank you for dying on the cross for us, God. Help us understand what that truly means, God. God, I pray for everyone that's, that's struggling at this moment, God, um, that, that's maybe even having confusions, Lord, that, that's, that's, that's questioning even their own lives, Lord. I pray that you, you, you find them where they are and you comfort them, Lord, and, and then you, you, you give them that hug and, and you, you feel, make them feel warm, Lord, and that you show them the truth, Lord, and I pray that you also help us, God, to preach the truth and, and to conduct ourselves the way you want us to, Lord, and to, and, and to just act like your children, Lord. I pray that we are able to be an example wherever we go, Lord, and I pray for everyone out there, Lord, that, that doesn't know you yet, God, and I pray that you, that you bring us to those people, Lord. Open up the hearts of those people that you want us to speak to tomorrow, Lord. God, give us the boldness, God. Give us, God, that boldness to, to just not, not care if we um, are shamed or, or maybe even judged by others, but just to stand and remain in your truth, Lord. In the name of Jesus, God, because there's a, there's a dying generation out there that needs you, Lord, that are, that are, that are going to hell, God. But I pray that you lead us to those people that are hungry, that are searching, Lord, and give them the truth, Lord. And I pray that you just come to them, Lord, in the name of Jesus. And I thank you for everyone in this place, God, that you strengthen them, Lord, and that you, that you, keep, that you keep us, Lord. And I, and I know you would. And thank you for loving us, Lord. Thank you for loving us, God, and, and for saving us and for always leave, uh, leading us, Lord. And, and thank you, God, because you're always with us. And um, thank you, God, because you are all, you're doing good things. You are good, and you've created good things. Yes, Thank you, Lord, because you are always faithful and will always be faithful, Lord. Thank you for being faithful, Lord. In the name of Jesus, amen. 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 Your generation is going to get more busy than you realize. So I want everybody to extend your right hand toward this man of God. And let him be a representative of his youth. Of all those that are looking, those that are here, those that are on, uh, right now watching either live or uh, maybe a recording. Father, we pray for this generation. And as Joshua stands in proxy for this generation, we pray your anointing to just break through any limits, any hindrances, break through any teachings, any, any garbage that they've heard from this, this society, from this culture. And Lord, let the love of God break through into their hearts, into their very souls, into their spirit men. Let them know that they are loved. Let them know that they are appreciated. Let them know that they are essential. Let them know that they are not a mistake. They were not born out of place, out of season. They were born in place and in season. And for such a time as this, I pray raise up within them, Lord God, by your Holy Spirit, that, that, that spirit of a Joshua, that spirit of a Daniel, Lord God, that would be able to stand and give leadership even in the midst of this generation and especially in this generation strong bold righteous leadership i pray that you strengthen their shoulders strengthen their arms strengthen their resolve my god and grant them all i pray a linking of arms that they would be able to see others that are standing for you that they would not be like the prophet of old that says father i'm the only one uh, that's standing and God had to remind them that he had thousands that had not bowed the knee to Baal. I pray that they would be able to find each other and stand together 
And uh, Lord, I just pray that the local church would be a place of safety for them, a place of strength, a place of mentorship, a place of spiritual mothers and fathers, a place where they can grow, Lord God, as a strong oak, oak tree in the house of the Lord. We plead the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ over this generation. Lord, the, the teens, uh, uh, those that are in their 20s, those that are in their 30s, my God, those that are in their 40s, we pray, Lord God, your divine protection. Guard their minds, my Father, their eye gates, their ear gates. May they be able to clearly hear you in the midst of the times and seasons. We'll give you the praise for it. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. And amen. Praise God. Amen. Praise God. Good job. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you, sir. Pastor Adonis, Pastor Mercy, que bendición. Lo entrenaste muy bien. Estoy muy orgulloso de lo que acabo de escuchar. This generation's on fire. Amen. Thank you so much for coming over. I mean, this is like your house, so you know, you're always welcome here. But I appreciate you sharing your, your thoughts, your experience, and I know there's a lot more we're going to hear from you. So God bless you. And all those that came together, it's great to see you. Thank you so much for coming over. Backing up the man of God. Thank you. Thank you, Mom and Dad, for coming. And I think next week I'll be with you guys, right? Next week? Praise God. Amen. Well, um, you heard it. You heard it from that generation. Amen. That's right. And part of prayer Hallelujah. is including them. That's right. And, and, and as you pray, as God gives you insight, then activate it. Not just pray. Praying is not enough. It's praying and then acting. Sharing the love. You know, don't say, how you doing? Everything okay? Good. No, 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 no. Take them in. Grab two or three of them. Mentor them. We've got to get active because otherwise we lose this generation. Okay? Tuesday, vote. I'm not going to tell you to vote for but you know, pray, seek God, and vote. Don't stay home. Unless you already voted. So. You could, of course, sing something. Come. Or oh, the election? Okay. Hallelujah. Once again, it is very important that we do vote. We have a voice and we can make a difference. Amen. I see a light shine bright over America. The radiance of your spirit coming forth from his bride. Yes, I see a light shine bright over America. The radiance of your spirit coming forth from his bride. Church
For a city on a hill cannot be hidden. Church, arise and let your light shine, shine, shine for the world to see. So this Wednesday, corporate prayer, very important. And it's going to be physical? Yes. Place? Okay, yes. Wednesday, here, prayer. Praise God. Amen. Pastor Donis, come and close us out in prayer. Praise God. Amen. What an what a awesome day. And we received instruction, and, and it's fruitful, a vibrant, relevant instruction um, by the Holy Ghost. He's been so kind to us, and, and I'm so grateful for everything that, uh, that God is doing in this local house. Praise God. English, English. Come on, man. It's a good word. Give me 30 seconds. I'll give you 15 seconds. Uh, I don't know. Um, when when uh, uh, Edward Joseph um, was sharing something about prayer and intercession, I noticed something. And I know you guys see it. Only Claire was here. You know, it, um, it's a calling from God for the man to, Hallelujah. to stand up and come back to our God. Yes, and um, I, I mean, I feel that so heavy to me that I need to share all those men here. Brother, you need to show up. You need to stand up for the next generation. That's right. You need to surrender your life and die for the next generation and pass the mantle to the other generation. But it's it, it not, it not over yet. Come, get united, and let's continue and bring fire and pray, you know. But you, you guys 
Girl, close your ear. You guys, men, listen what I'm saying, understand what I'm saying. Amen. How many men here today? Amen. We, we, we know what a man is, right? That's right. Come on. All right, let me see some of these men. Come, 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 come and pray, man. Come, come. Don't stay home. Come and get together and pray. Thank you for letting me to, to do that. I see that you took 20 minutes, 20 seconds. You know, I give you, I give an inch, you take a mile. It's all right. God bless you. You, God you bless know, you're you. always welcome. Well, Father, thank you for today, thank for you. the big blessing that you've given to us. Thank you for your love and your mercy. Thank you. Yes. Thank you for because you thank being you. so faithful, Father. Yes, thank you for love us, Father. In the name of Jesus. I, I give you thanks for everything what you've been doing through our brother and sister, to my son, to our pastor. Father, thank you for allowing us to worship you today, Father. Thank you. Help us to continue worshiping you every day in our life. Yes. The rest of our life that you've given to us. We don't know how long we're going to continue here and you allow us to live in. But, Father, Help us to continue doing it unto our end, Father. In Jesus' name, thank you, Father. Amen. Amen. Praise God. God bless you all. Remember your blessing, your highly favored. So go be that blessing that God has called you to be. And if you are a father, mother, spiritual father, spiritual mother, go find those children. Bring them in. Bless you. Praise God.